As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Happy Valentine's Day. It's Valentine's Day here. It's not Valentine's Day for you, but you could use the love and support of a Valentine's because... You just threw me off. I was like, whoa. But yeah. (laughs) Romantic. Had a bit of a tech issue just before. I was trying to catch up for things for the podcast and I went and got a special little bagel and was like sitting at my computer and I got a bagel and an Americano, my fave, half calf Americano, steamed oat milk, sitting beside the laptop and I just, I don't even know what the fuck happened and I just whacked it and the coffee went all over my laptop. So. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. I was just like, oh my God, I have such bad luck with laptops. And then I turned up, I turned it off immediately, turned it upside down and then it kept like turning back on by itself. You know how like. Because I was wiping the keys to try and get the fucking coffee off it. And so the keys were turning it back on. And I was like, there must be a there must be a better way. And then had it upside down for ages. And I was so worried I was going to have to like run to an Apple store before we recorded. But what happened was it turned back on. And then I like couldn't unlock my username. Like I couldn't put my password in. It kept telling me my password was wrong. And I was like, how... I was like, how, how, how have I forgotten my password as well? And then I realized, like, it locked me out. I kept doing, like, locked out for one minute, locked out for five minutes, locked out for ten minutes. And I was like, oh, my God. And then I typed my password into my username slot. Or, so, or like, typed my password somewhere where I could mm. see it and it wasn't, like, blocked out. And I realized my keyboard is completely fucked. So when I type a certain letter, like, three letters show up instead. So I'm looking on our doc. So I actually put it on our doc. Yeah. Goes just as spelt J split. Coffee on MXY laptop and now N-O-Q-U-W. The keyboard <laughs> is IJS fucked. This is giving me like Ouija board energy or something. There's something so sinister about what's coming out of this laptop now. I know. I mean, I was so proud of myself that I cracked the code because like then to get into my laptop i couldn't copy and paste the like correct password into the password but it was making me type it out still so i figured oh out like God. that a, so i figured out because there's an s in my password and i figured out that a j comes with an s before the s so i had to like type s and then go across and delete the little dot that was a that i knew was a j and like then continue onwards and when i type a one something else comes up i was like oh my god so anyway got in um, so we can do the pod, but I don't know about doing like any anything else, anything Any else on this thing. 
<laughs> any work um, that doesn't require me just speaking at you. I think that's a sign from your laptop that you should become a full-time podcaster. <laughs> um, okay, so you're in New York. New York. You've had a, a stressful day, but otherwise, has it been pleasant? You're there for a New York Minute for Fashion Week. It's been very nice. So, like, the first day, it was insanely sunny and beautiful and not cold at all. And I was like, wow, I could move to New York. It's so beautiful here. And then it basically started getting, like, the weather started getting colder and colder. And today it's pouring with snow, like snow everywhere. Pouring with snow. It's yeah. so cool. That's, that's really nice, though, right? It's beautiful, yeah, but it's hard to be outside, but it's beautiful. Are you dressed for the snow? How did you, mm-hmm. how did you pack for the elements? Packed. Packed. I bought, brought two huge suitcases. <laughs> That's very housewives of So you. two chicken suitcases and a carry-on suitcase <laughs> because I brought two long coats and they both, they literally took up a whole suitcase by themselves. Mm-hmm. But I bought like this really big fluffy kind of like similar to Max Mara teddy coat vibes of a coat, Man. which it was too warm to wear until today, um, mm-hmm. but it's floor length. So it's been like scraping along the snow. Heaven. Um, and then... Yeah, I'm trying to think what else has happened. It's been really cute show-wise. I'm just trying to, like, let me bring up the old sketch. Oh, I was deleting it as I went. <laughs> I can't type anything on my computer. Uh, <laughs> oh, don't okay. get it up. I think I have a photo of it somewhere. Let me find it. I posted on our AWD close friends the coffee all over the table. Mm. And if someone goes, someone was like, lol at the difference between the close friends and your normal stories. <laughs> I was like, you guys get to see the fucking chaos that lives within. Finster. Okay. So, started on Friday. Oh, yeah. Helmet Lang was the first show. And that was like really beautiful. Very nice to see. Kalina Strada was cool. She had like this model with her baby bump out that looked really hot. And then she had this other model that carried a five-month-old baby, which was very nice. nice. And then Willie Chavarera. Chavara? Yes, I saw that. That looked very, very cool. Yeah. So his show last season was like the show of Fashion Week, basically. So everyone was like so excited for this one. And he did a – before it began, he did like a – um video he'd done a short film with like heaps of incredible models like kai um from london and like um paloma and stuff and then it was just this really beautiful short film and he kind of talked about how it he's not about how he wanted to kind of like directly reference like the chaos of the world right now and like the feeling of the world right now and um and then yeah, the runway was really beautiful. And he walked the fin- he like walked in the show as the final look, mm. which was quite cool. Yeah, very cool. Don't typically like it when designers do what do you like a designer to do after a show? I don't really like it when they like come too far out the door. <laughs> I know. I like a modest bow, but now I'm questioning Same. why I like that. Do I have t- do I have internalized tall poppy syndrome? <laughs> I like when they look embarrassed and sheepish and they're kinda like, oh, mm-hmm. But why? Mm-hmm. Why shouldn't they stride down that runway? No. So then Ludovic de saint Seren or whatever mm-hmm. came over from Paris. And he fucking – so Willie – I don't know. Like, Willie felt different because he was, like, part of the runway show. So he just looked like another model. It's not like he, like, waited and then came after the finale or anything. Um, And then, like, he came out, like, as just a normal model would – before the finale walk, if that makes sense. And then basically um, Ludovic like came out and strutted the whole <laughs> runway by himself. And it was really funny. And but I was, he's like, like super hot, right? Not the Willie. Like he's, he, he almost looks like a, a model. I can see that he I would know, but... love a runway. Yeah, no, for sure. It was, it was like, it was like Jardet energy. It was really funny. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I can't take this seriously, even though you're like hot, so hot and cool. A modest bow is where it's at. Yeah, a little like pop the head out, mutual Prada, show the fit. 
a little wave is great a half bow um i'm into it i liked the ludovic leather harness because that was really crazy he went to and mula did that one show with like the feathers on the tits and the skirts and everyone mm-hmm. was obsessed with it and before that had even gone into production i think he left mm-hmm. <laughs> what so crazy we need a documentary <laughs> i know we literally need a documentary so now he's gone to new york instead and he's doing his sexy leather harnesses my feeling with that stuff is it's just very sexy and cool but i don't it's obviously like more of a kind of branding exercise than it is i don't know there will be like a lot of hot cool people that wear those clothes but it's kind of a broader more interesting question that i feel like we're going to end up discussing about these young fashion brands and who they're designing for and what their like plans for longevity are and who deserves to have a fashion brand and whether you need to toe the line and be co- commercial, like all those questions feel like they're very mm. relevant at this New York fashion yeah. week. Yeah, for sure. It House Lada actually did a piece where they were speaking. can't remember where I was reading it, but they were speaking about that exact thing, like sort of basically being like they founded their brand I'm going to say like 12 years ago or something. It might even be 20. I could be wrong, but like yeah, ages ago. <laughs> Me trying to type founded when? <laughs> founded queen. Okay. <laughs> Let me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, 2011. It's a, f- a, ha- a happy <laughs> medium. Like 16. But 15. yeah, they... um we're talking about how you know they've been around for so long they're such a massive brand in new york so well known and so successful but are trying still at the moment to like figure out financially the best moves for their business so i think they've cut down instead of releasing like four collections or whatever they're releasing like two they are also just their designs this season were a bit more commercial. Like they still had all of the, all of their usual textiles and like stuff that they're known for, but just a lot, like quite a lot more paired back as well, which is interesting. Mm. Yeah, I think it's um we can talk about Elena again, our fave girl to talk about, but she feels very um like indicative of this whole thing so Elena Velez we talked about her maybe six months ago because she'd done this big interview she's a young designer very cool worn by all these huge celebrities she did this huge piece in the new in the New York Times basically just breaking down and like breaking the illusion of how hard it is to be a buzzy new fashion brand and how from everyone's perspective from the outside she was dressing the right people, stopped in all the right places, having these very cool social media-y runway show moments. Um, and then behind the scenes, she was always just a couple of thousand dollars away from going bankrupt. She'd taken out all of these loans, including her mum's retirement fund, which is very questionable, to finance the brand. She basically just explained how when celebrities wear the clothes, they never pay for them and it actually doesn't necessarily lead to sales how if you want to make things that are really good quality and made in america um you have to charge so much more money and most people can't afford to pay her prices and there was a really divided response to it at the time which was some people saying it's really great to be honest about burnout and financial stress and how certain types of people get to keep being fashion designers because they have the financial means to just back themselves through like the first five, 10 sometimes years um, that you need to just throw money into a business to make it last. And other people really criticized her because they said, well, you're designing for a very, very niche, very, very cool, very, very, if you know, you know, um, fashion crowd at very very high prices like pieces that cost thousands of dollars you can't decide as a designer that that's your niche and then complain that that's not making you bucket loads of money 
Um, which I think there was both sides were valid, but she's kind of yeah. t- taken that energy as a bit of a like bad girl of New York Fashion Week and done this this show this season, which seemed a little bit jarre. Yeah, I I don't really get it because yeah, I didn't go. I mean, I didn't request. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I even would have gotten a ticket because it was at the same time as Ludovic. Um, but she just did a presentation um, where basically, so like last year she did that mud wrestling exhibition that also had people like questioning it because basically mm-hmm. she just had everyone like ruining the clothes in real time, and then basically on Sunday night she did like this saloon like themed thing around the film and the book gone with the wind Mm. which is like about the southern belle scarlett o'hara and the decline of her plantation in the south during the civil war and like yeah and and so the like event was in an upper east side mansion and then she had kind of like a live um kind of like a live talk yeah live talk i was gonna say live podcast but live talk with um the Anna, how do you even say her last name? I don't know. I don't I'm like, I'm, she's just Anna I don't from Redscare. <laughs> Anna from Redscare, yeah. And this other podcaster, Jack Mason, and they basically talked about the works, like supposedly misunderstood genius and um, basically Gone with the Wind has been just like hugely criticized. Um, I watched Gone with the Wind on the plane because it was on the plane and I this was before Black Lives Matter and like this discussion of all of these films that should they be shown in certain places and whatnot I just I just knew it as like a classic film and hadn't seen it before and I was just so like deeply disturbed by it I couldn't believe it was still heralded as this masterpiece that I mean yeah that everyone's so obsessed with it's really just bad and troubling and this whole desire of this kind of dirtbag left thing to push back on all of these things that have been cancelled and to have this kind of devil's advocate opinion on whether they're valuable or not I just it feels like the moment for that as a fashion designer to tap into has kind of passed maybe like I I I think that that's the energy I just got from looking at that show and reading about it. It doesn't feel interesting and provocative in the way that just to me personally. Um, you will, yeah, I think that's, I think that's been like the general consensus online. Yeah. Is that her, her clothes are good. Like Rachel Tashjian for the Washington post yes, wrote a piece that. about it just being like, yeah, just being like fashion's problematic fave as Elena Villiers and then basically just being like sheer clothes, all of this noise um, just distracted from the clothes, which are actually quite good. And then Kathy Horan for the cut was like, I just don't really get why she'd want to align herself. She was just like, Kathy Horan was like, what absolutely did not work was the salon portion, a discussion between the podcasters, um, Villiers, may hate being labelled provocative, but when you host a secondhand salon with two individuals who insist that Gone with the Wind is hilarious and relevant satire on womanhood and that Mitchell herself was one of the great American novelists, then you are being provocative. Um, blah, blah, blah. And then she said the question is, why does Villiers want to be attached to this kind of non- nonsense? It's just making everyone just not take her seriously, which I guess is what she's wanting to do, exactly as you said before, what she's wanting to do with her branding is to kind of be like, but that only aligns to a very specific group of people, and I doubt. And specific... it's like when you're when you're making yeah. yourself align to that specific group of people, you better hope that they have like thousands of dollars that they're wanting to spend on your designs. And it's like specific to the point of being quite literally like a couple of hundred people. Like it's kind of it's kind of <laughs> yeah. the dime square crowd. <laughs> and I think that this is, and I, obviously there's a lot of people who li- who don't live there that are very into that um, vibe and that scene. But I think the, the problem with – it's like a broader interesting question of what's happening right now where 
we can just get too bogged down in and have tunnel vision on a few key people and what we think their opinions and I'm thinking as a fashion brand but I guess I'm also thinking as like when we worked on Parfum for example there's this dual pull when you're trying to launch something of you want to create something that you think is cool and credible and um respectable and that your peers will like and then you also want to create something that a lot of people see and engage with and buy into and that make the product profitable and successful and I think that tension is really really hard to manage nowadays because there's almost this feeling that to be successful you've just got to find your niche and cater to it but I also think that once you do that sometimes you can lock yourself off from progressing or finding new people because you're so obsessed with this one little pocket of the world like it's 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 quite difficult to and and people get over things so quickly so if you're the super 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 coolest thing for this one group of people you're not going to be that you just can't be that for 10 15 20 years that's just not how it works. Yeah, unless your designs are like timeless in the way of it not being niche. Yeah, exactly. I guess. <laughs> or unless you're like evolving in some very, very, very good way that not many brands can can do. Um, because it's like all near impossible. Like basically every brand just comes in and out. You're just... You're just lucky if you have enough kind of eyeballs and coming in to like keep you afloat in those down periods I guess I feel really bad for brands in some ways now because it feels I just think about say Michael Kors how Michael Kors is like a billion dollar brand now um he started making these very specific clothes that were very commercial and for kind of elegant ladies about town in New York in the 80s and he would get stocked at one store on the Upper East Side and then another and then and and it slowly grew in that way and it was very much based on catering to a certain type of woman who wanted to dress a certain way and like creating things to add to her existing wardrobe and that's why he was able to slowly grow and build this kind of billion dollar brand and lifestyle whereas nowadays I think it feels like at least <laughs> that everyone wants to dress the same. Everyone just wants to find out who the new cool designer is and be on it first and wear the best thing from that and integrate that into their wardrobes as quickly as possible. And that idea of you just dress a certain way and if a new brand comes in and offers a pant cut away that you really like to wear or a jacket in a fabric that you really like but done a different way that you'll just then slowly start buying that for years and years and years that's just not really how people of our generation shop anymore so it's like really hard for a brand to scale in that way because you're not really getting loyal customers as a as a yeah role. and the the kind of cheat sheet way of kind of ensuring that you're like ready to wear line like your clothes um that you can continue being experimental in that sense is having accessories that just sell really really well like having a bag that people just want to buy and buy and buy and buy Mm -hmm. and then that's often like why designers can afford to kind of be a bit more um yeah like experimental and creative with their clothes but if you just don't like that like with michael kors the bags were Mm -hmm. and was such a huge thing and obviously like Telfar and just so many brands like that and if I guess if you don't figure that out it just puts so much pressure on but basically yeah there was this huge cut there was this huge cut article that came out yesterday um in the middle of New York Fashion Week just basically about how hard it is to be an independent independent designer today and it's called Hanging On By A Thread and it talks about how which we've talked about in the past and we talked about it with the Elena Villers piece that came out but just how like you can think an independent designer is doing so well because you see them being worn by all these different celebrities and how they can like win all of these awards but they still are one paycheck away from shuttering and I think just this illusion with social media like 
It's that classic thing of just like, you never know what's going on on social media. My friend said that the other day about like this couple that broke up and how everything looked so amazing on social media. And they were like, obviously it's so, it's so, it's such a dumb, obvious thing that you don't know what goes on. Like that social media isn't real, but you just, you still forget. And it's like with these designers, they can have hundreds and thousands of Instagram followers and be super trendy and be super hyped and be worn by like everybody and still just be making absolutely no money and yeah they talked to like all of these designers um like they talked to willie about fashion week just how it's a money hemorrhaging event which is obvious but he was saying like that last on in september the samples for his show was sixty thousand dollars lighting was sixty thousand dollars it was going to be 30,000 up until the night before the show and then there was an issue and there had to be like more lights and the lighting team was missing in action so they had to get a new team and pay double and then all of the other stuff like the seats, the security, the insurance, the venue, permits, models, catering, sometimes flights, people's transportation and Ubers and they said that it, it was $300,000. Oh my God. It's just mental just to put on an event like that. Yeah, and the... It's so hard to say nowadays if that's actually going to land and translate or if it's just going to be a bunch of fashion people who have a really fun time and have a party and write it up as like the best show of the season. But that doesn't, you know, trickle down to mainstream appeal, the kind of mainstream success that you would need to make off that to make that investment worth it. (laughs) Like you really want to be making half a million dollars back to just recoup your costs yeah i'm nick friedman i'm lee alec murray and i'm leah president and this is crunchyroll presents the anime effect We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend that I don't, right? (laughs) Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. I remember, what was that? <laughs> say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. It's interesting from a wholesale perspective as well. Like in this piece, um, someone said 10 years ago, Barney's could have easily placed a $300,000 order on a new designer's collection. Today, even when a department store is willing to gamble on an up and comer, the orders have shrunk. So this is about uh, Sintra Martins sold a collection to Nordstrom that was wide but shallow, a lot of different styles, but only a few units each. For small brands, that's extremely expensive because every style needs to be developed. The pattern, the fitting, the pattern grading, all of which is the notoriously is notoriously the costliest part. Um, so at least back in the day when department stores were huge, if you suddenly got backing from yeah, like a Nordstrom or a Barney's or a Selfridges or in Australia, a David Jones, like that could totally save you and tie you over for a year because they ordered huge amounts. Whereas now if they want to order Well, they were also saying here, like sometimes they used to pay up front. So they'd do like a, yeah, $300,000 order up front. And now they're saying that some of the time they won't 
they won't pay. So you have to fork it out. And they said that one designer, I can't find it now, but they said one designer found that after, so they played like whoever placed an order, say like whatever, X mm-hmm. amount of money. And they realized that afterwards, after fulfilling the whole order, the costs of production didn't even cover the order. So they lost money. Oh my God. And it's like you could make the argument to do that because it's a major name and that looks outwardly like success. So that might be the thing that leads to the next thing, but it's also what is actually going to work. Well, also like a lot of people have had issues with, a lot of designers have had issues with Essence for ages because Essence obviously does that amazing sale at the end of the season. But it means that as consumers, people don't buy things when they come out full price from like D to C, like straight off the designer's website. They'll instead just wait until a wholesaler, till I, I can't even speak, I'm so tired, until a wholesaler does their end of season sale and just buy it for half price, which is just fucking designers over. I know. And I'm so guilty of that too. Like I should be the target market of people who really understand the weeds of this stuff (laughs) and really makes an ethical decision to buy things full price D to C from smaller brands. And I just get caught up in the fact that it's hard to unsee that you've seen something in the essence sale for like a third of the price going up every six months and to not think I'll just wait a couple of months and see you know yeah I like just did that as well where um that you know that like, those amazing boots feed in Novrizova they I, I was like god I just want some profession week so bad and they were just in my stupid pea brain and then I was like just wait no I was like on the essence sale and they had none of my size so I was like oh I'll just buy them off her website because that's obviously way better for the designer anyway and then I go to the website and then because she lives like I can't remember where she's from, but somewhere in Europe, it was not going to take, it was going to take like two weeks for them to ship. And I was just like, fuck, I just want them. I need them sooner than that. Cause everything's so immediate now. And then those big um, department stores and like online shops just cater to that. I know it's, it's really fucking hard. There's it's, it's hard as well for, we put this totally unfair thing on student designers as well so there was another designer in this piece who her first student collection for um it was Tara Babylon yeah Tara Babylon her first student collection at Parsons had this huge crazy embellished amazing coat and it went kind of viral online because Doja Cat's stylist saw it and asked if Doja Cat could wear it to the MTV awards and so she kind of suddenly had this feeling of, oh my God, this is everywhere. Everyone was following her, posting about it, DMing her about it, blah, blah, blah. But the coat was so complex and took her like days and days and days to make by hand that what she had to price it at when people DM'd her to ask if she could buy it meant she literally sold one. <laughs> yeah. Even though like Doja Cat wore it to the MTV Awards. You know what? I, it's just. And she said she worked for three weeks straight to get it to her in time. Oh my God. Like what, yeah. just put everything else aside from of her brand to to work on this one thing so that it's seen on a celebrity and then you sell one coat I think it's quite insane it's insane and I think I'm just gonna say a lot of like boring things that I do feel are true which is that there's a reason why a lot of the most iconic fashion designers that we look to now as being at the pinnacle of their career or at the pinnacle of their design credibility worked in-house at brands for a really long time and I think there is this obsession now with especially I think our generation and the generation below us with having everything all at once or this idea that there is so much freedom in owning your own brand or owning your own business or having your name attached to your designs from the get-go and I think that we have lost a respect or a reverence for a like the patience of, of spending 10 years <laughs> working in-house somewhere to learn not just a certain level of like craftsmanship, but also what it looks like from a business perspective to run a brand. There's so much to yeah. be said for that. And I think that now that is seen as less popular or less cool you lose like the immediate 
clout value um that we're all we all love (laughs) and yeah it's also hard because brands just trend so quickly because of that like you just you'll blow up for a hot second because you're the hot new thing like restaurants you blow up for a hot second because you're the cool new thing that no one knows about or whatever and then because of overexposure which we've talked about previously then everyone just gets over it and moves on to the next thing and because they they talk about it in the cut piece as well like because everything moves so fast online you can just be done if you don't if you're not like constantly evolving and changing and like i don't know it's fucking scary man and business brain is such a specific and totally different thing and this has always been the tension that fashion designers have had some of the you know biggest most successful i'm thinking of like isaac mizrahi but just holston some of the most iconic and successful fashion designers of all time zach posen especially in new york have literally just gone bankrupt through bad business management either by them or someone in their business and they haven't been able to recover because it's as much a piece of the puzzle as creating great clothes and i was listening to a really good business to fashion podcast where imram ahmed was talking about how there's a really he feels very anti the trend now of like big brands or businesses or bodies wanting to get quick publicity brownie points by having awards for young designers where they really just kind of throw a hundred thousand dollars or a hundred fifty thousand dollars or maybe a bit less at an up-and-coming talent and that's a huge thing and seems like a huge deal but most of them have absolutely no idea what to do with that and it would be a better thing to do to actually give someone a business advisor for a year or give someone a consultant that helps them scale the obsession is with just throwing money through prizes and not actually hand holding brands through like young designers through what it actually takes to turn a creative concept into a really successful business because they're two very different things and people don't really want to talk about it. Lulu Kennedy does such a good job of that fashionist. Like I yes, think that's why yeah. it's become such an incredible it was like it started in two thousand when she just started handpicking these incredible designers from like Central St. Martins and all these other design skills and giving them not only the money to host a runway show, but giving them like mentorship and standing beside them all throughout their career. And she's basically been responsible for like everyone, Maximilian Davies, Moa Lola, Simone Rocha, um, Kim Jones, like Martine Rose. It's crazy and it's so true because all of those all those brands you think of with fashionistas are also successful businesses, at least f- from what it seems from the outside, like Nancy DeJaco and 16 Arlington and those people, they're, they're not just trendy and cool um, names. They've like scaled really successfully. Mm-hmm. And that's probably because they have someone explaining to them, you can make these amazing items that are your your creative outlet that you think represent the brand but then you also have to have fun sexy party dresses that can sell on netaporter for under a thousand dollars like that's just if you want to be successful and have longevity you need to have products like that that the girl on the street that's not obsessively refreshing vogue runway is actually just going to want to wear and feel good in it's like the dua leaperification of <laughs> fashion yes (laughs) you can still be cool and do chuggy music that the masses love exactly I think there's something I believe in that that's like one of my biggest beliefs (laughs) is that I don't think things get worse when you think about them being popular there's obviously a tension point but my example is always that everyone's favorite TV show of all time is The Sopranos. Everyone thinks the best band of all time is The Beatles. And like, they probably are the best TV show of all time and the best band of all time, just factually. But they're also very, very popular. Mm. And I just think that like having disdain for what the mainstream wants is a bad idea because I think actually in the main, 
you can't go so far that you become like Shein and you just design crap for people that anyone will want and it's lowest common denominator. There's a line. But if you're trying to make something that's very good but you're also thinking about what a lot of people will like, that can be a very strong and powerful combination. And I think sometimes fashion's guilty of like hating <laughs> the masses. Yeah, which is lame. Which is lame. That's just being insecure. Yeah, exactly. That's why I loved Elsa's I, I love Elsa Zara so much. And I loved that show mm. so much. And I just thought it was so fresh and interesting and smart. But it's also full of actual things that you individual items that you would go into a store and purchase yeah for sure i really like the proenza show as well i haven't seen that i think proenza like proved that i don't know there's been such a thing about i don't know like quiet luxury i think everyone's just over that but i think because it's kind of become such an easy trend to adopt for so many people that it just feels like it's everywhere but then Proenza is like proving that you obviously can do quiet beautiful pieces that don't have to be I don't even know what I'm saying that don't that aren't aligning to this dumb trend yeah it's it's really fucking hard I have no I mean (laughs) there's a reason I'm not a fashion designer but I just the pressure just every six months to do something that looks cool and new and interesting and gets people talking and it's respectable on the runway but also realizing that you've got to put those things into production and people have to buy them or your like your business doesn't work it's just it's a huge amount of pressure and it's no wonder so many people get burnout and organizing a show and running like if you don't have the resources to have someone doing like hr and proper management you're like designing a whole collection, running a team of people, and then thinking of a concept for a show that's going to like cut through and not be crazy expensive and actually be worthwhile. And probably talking to like wholesalers and d- producing decks for like upcoming potential collaborations and like trying to find someone to invest. It's fucking mental. Like the the, I know people push back for years against the traditional seasonal calendar and have tried to design outside of it but then that just doesn't work either like when brands are just like okay we're not we're not gonna release pieces to these crazy deadlines then they can't get picked up in the stores and can't get that like injection of cash that they need it's just yeah it's like it's such a beast that the whole (laughs) how entrenched the timelines of the whole season are even from a magazine perspective where it's basically um, which I know you know, but just explaining to the girlies if they don't. Like the shows happen in September and March and then there's six months between the shows happening and the clothes landing in stores. And in that time, the samples from the runway show go either, of which there's one in the world, either are worn by celebrities on the red carpet or are shot by magazines or shot by influencers to build the hype between then and then. And the wholesalers and the brands that want to stock you, they all have a timeline that they do within X amount of weeks after the runway show. So, yeah, it's like such a – it's just such a huge beast that you can't – occasional brands have their success being outside of that and just do have their little niche of people that they sell to directly. Like a – I mean, Mariam Nasir Zadeh still does runway shows – now and again and does have a lot of really great mainstream stockists but I think of that as someone who just has their kind of direct fan base that goes to them in store or online but those people are like a dime a dozen it's Mm, you kind of have to be part of the um the machine yeah it's um a lot so i think that even just like oh yeah so puppets and puppets just yes just yesterday showed their last ever fashion show in new york and said they're like going to london to continue working from there because it's just too expensive here and that they're like going to continue releasing their bags that like iconic cookie bag i want that so much 
I was going to buy it the other day and then I was like, you can't afford this silly little bag with a cookie on it. But it just speaks to me. Um, I think But yeah, just can't afford to do a fashion show anymore. Also, like in New York, I think because everyone is kind of of that like too cool mentality a bit here. It's sort of like people just always talk shit about New York Fashion Week and they're just like, oh, New York Fashion Week is shit. New York Fashion Week is dead. And it's like, okay, well, why do designers bother to spend like hundreds of thousands of dollars to show in a place where everyone's just going to like bitch and moan about how it's not even like nothing's going on here. That typical fashion thing. Yeah. In London, there is, uh, it seems to be a much nicer energy where people are very, very happy and proud to support young new designers and for that to be the whole kind of purpose of London Fashion Week in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's kind of like here, for example, with the Willie show, like so many people just skipped it last year because they just don't didn't know who he was, which I, I, I do get when you're editors, you're so, you're so busy and you're like strapped for time and perhaps you work at a publication where it's like there's a specific, like basically with Fashion Week, so many of the editors like are basically going to shows that of their advertisers because that's an important thing to do to keep up relationships and obviously you're going to be featuring their clothes and heaps of the shows and things and and they're not really going to any of the newer brands because obviously they're really busy but I just am like well I don't know it's just this we were just sitting around talking about this the other day about how like it just pays to just let someone younger go who's going to be so excited, who's going to go to every show, who's probably going to do the research beforehand to figure out that, like, last season Willie was the show that you should be at. Like, before I came here, I was, like, Googling – I Googled every single name on the schedule, which I think mm. should be a normal thing to do before you go to Fashion Week. Mm-hmm. And all of these ones I hadn't heard of that just looked amazing, I just, like, requested tickets and, like, just went to their stuff even though – it's because that's the thing you just skip a show because you can't be fucked and then you realize it costs a designer three hundred thousand dollars to put on and yours they paid they literally physically paid for the seat you're sitting on mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, it's so true. we have like a duty <laughs> yeah no it's true it's so true what have been your favorites that you've seen so far this week um so i really loved sandy liang which is like obvious mm. such a such a like of the moment ballet core vibe but I just think that she does I think she actually toes line really perfectly of like kind of being trendy and like giving the girlies what they want right now with like pretty pink things but when you actually watch the runway show there was a lot of stuff that was like nothing to do with that trend like very wearable like trousers and jackets and don't know I, I just think she she's like a really good designer and she's releasing a pair of knee-high boots, like this beautiful, gorgeous pair of knee-high boots that have a little bow at the end. And I was like, how does this keep happening? Where, I, where you just think, how many pairs of black boots does one person need to own? But like, the, one like more. literally the limit does not exist because I'm like, every single, I just want more pairs of black. No one's doing a pair of black boots with a pretty little bow on the end, are they? That's really cute. I went to drop off um, our remaining stuff at uh, Kiko Vintage with Ari and she answered the door and she goes, Izzy's at the Sandy Liang show. I'm dying. And then I went and looked. <laughs> it looked so, so cute. cute. I know. Yeah, I um, took her little, I texted her because I took her Prada bag and then um, Devin Carlson said she liked it. Oh, love. And I was like, so I so I text um, Ari and told her. Uh, what else? I didn't, I haven't gone to, not because I was skipping them, but because I wasn't invited to like, I didn't go to Proenza but it looked like it was beautiful. Um, Willie was a favorite. That was obviously like a standout. Um, Eckhart Slater was cool to go for the first time because I feel like I've just been like a fan of them for ages. But mm. there wasn't anything like crazy that I loved on that runway. I also just was so – I'm getting so sick of how um, little plus size there is on the, on the runways. It's fucking mental. Like, Paloma's, like, working overtime. And even at Eckhouse, like, they literally just put her in a fucking stretchy dress. I was like, mm. that's been... I feel like are they not across the fact that that's kind of become, like, a meme now, just to have, like, one plus-size model and to put her in, like, an unflattering fucking stretchy dress. Mm. So that's been kind of a letdown, um, especially with a couple of the things I've gone to that have been presentations not shows because that it's so much more obvious when it's a presentation like because they're just standing there 
Yeah. And you're like, you don't have one single plus size person here. Like, how how do you not think about that? Yeah. Or, or how do you not care? Um, I thought Area was a really cool, cool show. Um, I'm really excited for um, Luar tonight. Batsheva's tonight mm-hmm. and they only cast models over 40. So that should be quite cool. Love. And yeah, I missed Puppets and Puppets, but that looked really cool. Everyone kind of here has been talking about like Proenza, Kate, obviously, um, Area, Sandy Liang. Um, yeah, it's what else has happened? Um, Good coach was like quite hectic. <laughs> like, there, I don't know, so many people, like, as in the beautiful clothes, but just so many people outside and just fucking scene to try and get anywhere. What's the street style been like? Um, pretty good. Getting quite sick of the old classic thing of like even just then I was looking at um the cuts street style article and I I kind of like the way they do it because they make it really selective and they ask everyone for their name and what they do but it's also literally like the plus size model presentation thing it's like. You're asking everyone what they do, and all they, all of them are saying like model, actor, or like <laughs> influencer. And it's like just pick a normal person who's not getting dressed by the brand or who's not getting free clothes from showrooms. Because yeah, before Fashion Week, all the all the top editors and all the influencers and stylists and stuff go to showrooms and borrow clothes for Fashion Week. So it's like not stuff out of their own wardrobe, which is what we were talking about on Patreon last week as being as just making being a real person a bit harder. And I just want to see what, I don't know what, like, I, I just feel like I must be in the minor, minority now. I just want to see what editors are wearing to the shows. That's all I want to see. I just want to see what, like, Samira Nasa and, I don't know, Virginia Smith and, like, people who work at Mac, like, Jess Will. Like, I just want to see what stylists and writers and cool people that work at magazines who are wearing their own clothes are wearing. No one ever photographs those people anymore. Apart from like the superstar ones like Gabriella Kreefer Johnson. But like you never see it. Yeah. Nicole Phelps looked amazing today. She was wearing a Simone Rocha balaclava. Like with the um, pearls all around the side of her face. That's so sick. Like in the snow. I was like, you look so fucking good. Vanessa, I saw Vanessa Friedman yesterday and she was wearing... She just looked really, really. She just looked really, really chic. She was just wearing black. Yeah, that's. What I'm like, who we we have an eye out for when we're there is like so different to who you ever see photos of. It should be an absolute requirement that Vanessa Friedman is photographed every day. I know. The only people it's because the street style because this is the thing. Like a lot. I mean, there are some obviously. There are some really high up really well-renowned and respected and completely clued into the industry street-style photographers and very, very stylish street-style photographers. But at the same time, there are, like, a lot of them just would have no idea who anyone is apart from celebrities and Anna Wintour. But I I don't even... I'm kind of with you where I want to see what editors are wearing, but I'm kind of just more interested in what normal people are wearing. Like, But then I'm like, who else is getting invited to the shows other than editors and influencers and celebrities? So it's like the editors... Yeah, it's like the really high up editors, but also just like any cute stylish girlies who aren't getting dressed by the brand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's basically just I want to see someone, maybe it's like people who work in wholesale or maybe people who work in social media, but people who are wearing their own, yeah, exactly, their own clothes that they've styled themselves from their own wardrobes that aren't picked to get photographed. It's just what they're wearing to work. I love seeing what people are wearing to work. Same. Also because, um, like, I often think, because when you're borrowing shit for Fashion Week, um, Laura Riley from Magazine, I skimmed it, I haven't read it properly, but she wrote a sub stack about this, about just going around all these different showrooms and then how so many brands now are also giving editors, like gifting editors one specific accessory, like hundreds of them. So that it will be put mm. in the 
wrap-ups of like this accessory was everywhere this fashion week this mm. must have it's so it's so crazy um but she was just saying that yeah she got gifted like all of this stuff to wear um and i was thinking that must be so time consuming because not only are you getting like an influx of brand new clothes that you don't know how to style because you haven't had them in your wardrobe but yeah well that was that was all i had to say actually because you're getting like a whole new bunch of clothes that you've just that just get thrown on your door and unless you've borrowed a full look that you style all together like isn't that just so stressful coming home and being like how the fuck am i gonna wear x y and z and then i have to wear it because i borrowed it and then i have to dry clean it afterwards and then return it who who has the time exactly and i think if it's you can just see when someone's wearing something that's not theirs in a in a bizarre way unless it's like you fully got the run of the store and got to pick something really specifically for yourself it tends like to be like a nice coat yeah just one thing you can wear with other stuff like generally if you've been loaned things there's a sense when you're I don't know I feel like you can feel it that's why the people that we like the most it just feels like they're wearing their own stuff yeah I had something else to say. Oh, yeah. Someone, I was looking at that best street style from New York Fashion Week. Actually, I put it on the afterward drink stories. I'm just going to find it there. Um, I screenshot the comment um, because the person wrote, not a critique of the specific article. I just hate that street style has come to mean celebrities and nepo babies styled by professionals and then photographed on the sidewalk. Boring. <laughs> I want to see what the real people are wearing. Agree. Yes, Charlie. Yes, Charlie. Boring. <laughs> boring and caps <laughs> i liked it Ooh, i know like exactly who this person is i know exactly their energy i know it's yeah. true i want to just go and be a street style photographer yeah i put charlie for sure listens to awd yeah definitely um boring. i know yeah we have a cute street style photographer um for rush who's like a friend's little sister Nice. Not Nepo baby, but connection baby. Um, she's like a friend's little sister and she's a Māori photographer. And I was like, yes, the Māori is going to Fashion Week and got her along. And I've just been kind of like, for the most part, sort of just going really. <laughs> she goes to me the other day. It was quite funny because I've been going early to like hang out with her so she's not alone and also to help her get the right people. Because I was like, mm. don't get distracted by like the crazy looks because they're being really loud and you feel like you should photograph them, like just get actually chic, cool people. So I've been like, and also she doesn't know who like people are. So I've been pointing people out. But um, I'm going to go through that. I want to see that one. That's like the kind of vibe that I want to see. Yeah. Yeah. Today she, she's actually speaking of Michael Kors. She'll be outside the Michael Kors show right now. Oh, nice. That'll be a frenzy. Yeah, I know. I was like, go to that one because it'll be... Oh, she texts me. She goes, there's a full-on protest here. It's oh. crazy. Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> crazy. Ha ha. Oh, this looks really cute. <laughs> I'm just going through now. Really good pics. A lot of full skirts. Lots of long skirts on the runway as well. I wish I could wear a long skirt. They don't suit me. They all copied your AWD live show look. No, the, what I was thinking about when I was thinking about full skirts is like long pencil skirts, which is what I'm seeing heaps of on the runway right now. Mm, think? Like floor length little pencil skirts, either with a slit or that. I actually bought from the sale that I was trying to buy the cookies bag at. I bought a Mariam Nasir Zadir long, like cute long skirt. Love. Um, that I wore the other day. Um, but we must go. I have more to say, but let's save it for the Patreon. I have some funny tidbits. And I also really want to talk to you about um, this, the cut piece that came out today about um, people returns, like grif- the return grift. Yes. People buying shit and returning them. They Love just did it. like a huge piece on it, which is exciting. Very exciting. Um, See you on the Patreon for anyway. behind the scenes fashion week gossip, everyone. BTS goss girlies. You'll want to um, hear. Okay. Bye. Bye. Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. 
I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. That's the sound of another sale on Shopify in store. Shopify POS is everything you need to sell in person. From payments to inventory, Shopify unites your sales into one commerce platform. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash retail 23. Shopify.com slash retail 23.